All right. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Uh, my name is Justin, and as Kyle mentioned, I consider myself a digital missionary. And my seminar tonight, or today, is entitled "Pick Up Your Phone and Follow Me." Thought that was clever. Hope you could appreciate that. Uh, why God is raising up a generation of digital missionaries. Uh, as Kyle mentioned, I run a YouTube channel called That Christian Vlogger. Uh, and really my goal every single day is I wake up with the desire to try and help young people around the world get to know God better for themselves, to understand the Bible for themselves, and have a deeper and more meaningful relationship with God. Something that I really believe that uh, I'm going to try and communicate to you guys throughout the course of this seminar is that we are facing the largest communication shift that has taken place in the last 500 years. What happened 500 years ago? Does anyone know their history? As far as the, the Protestant Reformation, more specifically as far as communication is concerned, the printing press took place and that dramatically shifted the way that we communicate with one another. And something that I firmly believe is what got us to this point isn't going to get us to where we're trying to go. I believe that in order for us to get to where we're trying to be to accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us as a people, we are going to actually have to not do things the way that they've always been done, but to be able to evolve with the times and try and uh, shift and evolve in our way that we communicate with other people. Here is the problem, and I'm speaking to young people here, so I know that you guys know what I'm talking about here. The recent statistic from the North American Division, they did a study in, in conjunction with Barna, Barna Group. They did a study on Adventist young people and what they're doing and their church habits and, and what, where are they staying or leaving the church. Here's a statistic. I don't know if you've known this before. 59% of Adventist young people, by the time that they reach the age of 18, end up leaving the church. 59% according to a study in 2013, ending up, end up leaving the church with another 23%, that's the people that are in this room and still in the church, another 23% of us are still on the fence as to whether or not we're going to stay in the church. We see a problem. And there's obviously a multiple, uh, multiples of issues, reasons why that's taking place, but I think one of the major reasons why this is the case is because after you end up graduating from high school, if you don't end up at one of our Adventist education places, you know, Loma Linda or whatever the case is, there's literally nothing in the church that exists for people our age. Most people, when they end up graduating from high school, or maybe it's Adventist education, when they end up leaving, there's literally nothing for us within the traditional church, the average church, until the point where we have children and we want to bring our kids to Sabbath school. You think about this. There's adventurers, there's pathfinders, there's primary classes. But once you graduate... What is there for young adults, for young professionals? And that's why I'm really grateful to be here with ASI. Amen? Oh, you guys aren't. Amen? All right. There you go. So, so one of the major things that I think we need to be able to do is provide ministry by young people for young people. So we see 59% leaving the church. The, the crazy part is this is not just a, a problem within the Adventist church. Another study said in 2008 that less than 17.5% of Americans all across the country attend week on any given week. And that's not just Adventists, that's Christianity as a whole. And that's not just young people. So this isn't just an issue that we're seeing with, with just young people. 17.5 people 17.5 uh, Americans attend church every single week. And another study said that every single year, 20% of Americans end up leaving their church every single year. And what we're seeing with these studies, and my point I'm trying to communicate here, is that the Western world is quickly becoming the largest mission field out there. 
when we think of mission trips and we have mission stories at church, generally speaking, we think about some of us going over there to minister in a jungle or in a forest or in a desert or something along those lines. But what we're actually finding is that the biggest mission field that has the biggest untapped need is right here in the United States. It's in the Western world. It's in the developed parts of the world. In fact, the Center for Study of Global Christianity at the Gordon Cornwell Theological Seminary said that the country that received the most missionaries in 2010 was the United States. It used to be that the United States would send missionaries across the seas to spread the gospel, but it's actually becoming more true that other countries are sending missionaries to us. And I'm praising God for that because we see the need, we see the issues, we see the problem. And what I'm going to try and say in this seminar is I want to propose that quite literally you are holding the answer to this dilemma, or at least a large part of the answer of this dilemma, in your hand. In your hand right now, I think, is part of the answer to this problem. That I believe that through social media, through technology, through the raising up of a generation of digital missionaries, we can actually make a difference. This is a cause I've dedicated my life to, something that I'm very, very, very passionate about. And I believe that there are people in this room that God is calling to do the same thing. Let me give you a scope as to some of the opportunities that we have here. An average day in a millennia. Now, are we all millennials? Is there any Gen Zs in this? In this? Okay, we got a couple. All right, praise the Lord. Good to see you here. I want you to measure this up to your own day. A typical day of social media consumption by people our age. Is this true? There's a study done by the Wall Street Journal. How much time do we spend behind a screen, behind some kind of media device of some sort? According to the Wall Street Journal, on average, we spend about three and a half hours on the internet. Gauge that with your own practice. Is that within line? Maybe, maybe not. We spend a little over three hours a day, three hours and 12 minutes on social media, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter. Maybe not Twitter. Uh, certainly not Vine. Um, we spend about two hours a day, two hours, 19 minutes, watching live television. And we're playing video games for about an hour and 47 minutes every single day. We watch uh, television on-demand services like Netflix or Hulu, about an hour and 47 minutes. And we're watching a movie every single day about for an hour and 15 minutes. Radios and podcasts, about an hour, 15 minutes. And we are texting or email for about an hour and four minutes a day. And then about an hour talking about different brands and doing online shopping through Amazon or whatever the case is. All in all, we are spending, on average, over 18 hours a day consuming media of some way, shape, or form. Now, we're not doing this like all at one time, and chances are we're actually doing two or three of these at a time. Like when you're driving on the way to work, you're listening to a podcast. As you're doing homework, you might have YouTube on in the background or something along those lines. So it's not like just all at once, because then you would like literally never do anything. Uh, but like even when you're in class, you might actually be flipping through Instagram at the same time. Or I remember I was literally giving a presentation at Andrews University to seminary students and I'm on stage and I'm looking out because I get to see everyone and there's someone in the audience literally FaceTiming with an earbud in while I'm up there on the stage. It's like, wow, this is the world that we live in nowadays. So thinking about your own practice, how many of you guys say 18 hours is at least somewhat accurate. Okay, we have, we have several people. Okay, so you guys aren't as honest as the seminarians and Andrews because over 50% of them raise their hands. That is insane. That to me blows my mind how much time we're spending on our devices. So if you do the math, 
in a given week, if, 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 if an average young person, let's say that they went to church and they went to church every single week, they would be in church for about one hour a week. You do the math, how often are they spending time behind their devices? 126 hours. So we are literally being impacted through social media, through, through, through uh, uh, technology, over 100 times what the, the, what the church is doing to us. And we're wondering why we have this increasingly uh, growing trend of, towards you know, a secular lifestyle. We're doing different things. It's because literally we are consuming content that is changing the way that we live, changing the way that we think. And I want you to think about this. People pay attention on social media. There's like two false uh, uh, things that people really believe. It's like Number one, no one listens on social media. That's, that's one thing that people say. And the other thing is like, wow, social media is really destroying our world. So which one is true? So clearly social media makes a difference. But the question is, is what are we doing as a church to, to enter into that conversation? Most of the time when you think about digital uh, uh, ministry, that doesn't, that's not even a category that exists. Most of the time when the church is talking about social media and movies and television and anything like that, Hollywood, they want you to just turn and run in the other direction. They see statistics like, wow, we're spending 18 hours a day consuming media. The only answer that we have is it's all evil, run away from it, don't have anything to do with it. And so we go on Facebook to announce that we're going to have a fast from Facebook. I mean, it's, like, it's, just, it's just bizarre that that's the way that we do it, and we celebrate this. But I want to try and encourage you and challenge you guys that, that rather than running away from this, this is something that we should be running to. Eleanor Roosevelt said this, it is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And what I see a lot of times taking place is that we're, we're, we're very vocal and loud about cursing the darkness, saying social media is evil, but what are we doing about it? How are we going about influencing the very cultures that exist out there? So my point is, rather than withdrawing, I believe God is calling us to engage and to create and to be part of the solution rather than part of just the problem. So here's some statistics about YouTube. Every single day, 30 million people sign on to YouTube and watch YouTube. That's 5 billion videos with a B every single day. You know this to be true, but old people don't realize this, that YouTube reaches more millennials than any broadcast or cable TV network in existence. 1.9 billion active users every single month. If YouTube was a country, it would be six times the size of the United States of America. In 90 countries, in over 85 languages. And every time that someone signs on to YouTube, the average viewing session is about one hour. People are watching, people are consuming, people are actually going to YouTube to learn as well. You might be surprised to know that YouTube is actually the second largest search engine that's out there. YouTube is not just a place for cat videos. It's not just a place for pranks and makeup tutorials. It's actually much more than that, and a lot of people are using it in different ways. YouTube is a search engine. It's a place that we go to to learn skills in life that we weren't taught by maybe our parents or whatever the case is. If you don't know how to tie a tie, you end up YouTubing it. How do I tie a tie? Or change a tire, or learn how to, 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 to play an instrument. And what's crazy enough, people are actually turning to YouTube. People are actually turning to Google to learn about the relationship with God. People are actually learning and asking YouTube some of the most deep questions that exist out there, some of the most challenging questions that we have, questions about identity and purpose and values and morals and ethics, and we're turning to media for answers. Why? Because we've disengaged with the church, and yet we're still the people that God has created us to be. 
God has wired in us this need to understand the world around us. He's wired us to, 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 to be seeking after purpose and identity, not to just, to just go through the motions. God had wired that, that into us. And since we're leaving the church in droves, where are we finding that? There's a reason why, we all, why many young people today feel empty and, and feel like they don't have directions because they're not tapped into the very source of life. So they're going to YouTube with questions. Here's an interesting statistic. 54% of Christian millennials watch online videos about faith. We are seeing that YouTube and social media is largely becoming the, the, the place of worship for a lot of people. I, I literally met with someone yesterday, yeah, yesterday's Friday, Thursday, yeah, yesterday, literally yesterday, who I met, who I've never met in person. I fly to, uh, to Orlando Airport. I get picked up by someone I've never met before. I found a subscriber who lived in Orlando. I was like, hey, I'm going to be in Orlando. Anyone, anyone out here? Someone replies, I'd love to hang out with you. This person drives two hours to come pick me up. And my wife, we go to lunch. I've never met them before. And she tells me, you know what? My husband and I, we don't go to church anymore. We haven't been to church in years. But what we do do, what we do do, mercy. What we, what we actually do is we watch church online. And this is becoming the trend. You know this, I know this, on a given Sabbath, we're more likely to go on a hike and to listen to sermon on our own time, right? Than to go into a church building. We're seeing that church is evolving and changing. And what's happening is this is not just a trend for only religious people. In fact, 31% of all US, uh, uh, um, US young people, both Christian and non-Christian, are tuning in to religious content online. I did some number crunching. It's crazy to know that every single month, over 100,000 people go to Google and type in the question, is God real? Every single month, over 100,000 people are searching for Bible study tools online. People are asking questions like, what happens after death? They're looking for information on Bible prophecy and asking questions simple and profound like, what is faith? It used to be that when you wanted to watch a movie, you'd go to Blockbuster and rent a movie. When you wanted to listen to a, to a song, you'd go to the, to, the, to, to the music store, buy a CD. It used to be that when you wanted to, uh, to get a ride, you would call a taxi. And, and when you wanted to discover information, you'd go to the library and check into this thing called the Dewey Decimal System. And it used to be that when you wanted to have a question about the Bible or faith or worldview in general, you'd talk to a pastor. But what have we seen in just the last few years? Netflix replaced Blockbuster. We see Uber and Lyft replacing uh, uh, taxi We've been seeing Google replacing the, the, the library. But what about church? Where have we evolved? How have we changed how we communicate with people? Because church was always this thing that we would bring people to us so that we could answer their questions. But they're no longer coming to us, so what do we do? When they're turning to social media, when they're turning to, to the internet for answers, are we even there? Think about this. If you're trying to find a great vegetarian restaurant in Oakland, what do you do? You turn on Yelp. And if it's got good enough uh, stars, then you go. If it doesn't, then tough luck. What would happen if you typed in the word Seventh-day Adventist online today? You'd probably come up with something like this. <laughs> but, no, but this is something that's actually taking place. What would happen if someone yelped your church or Googled your church? What would happen? Here's what would happen if you go to YouTube and you type in the phrase Seventh-day Adventist. You get five or so videos where over a million people have heard about Adventists from atheists and people who are former members of the church. People with, with agendas who are angry and who have so many negative things to say about the church. That top one is Seventh-day Adventism exposed, run away from this cult. Ten things you should know about Seventh-day Adventists from the atheist voice. 
former Seventh-day Adventist pastor for 13 years gives his testimony about why Adventism is wrong. The secret cult of the Seventh-day Adventist church and former Seventh-day Adventist pastor exposes the lies and intentional deceit of Ellen White and the Seventh-day Adventist church. This is crazy. This is, what we, this is the world that we live in. When people have questions about your church and about the faith, this is what they see. And this blows my mind because we will send coal porters door to door to do mission work, to do evangelism. We'll hold evangelistic seminars and, and try and preach to hundreds of people. We'll, we'll send missionaries across the ocean and, and we'll, we'll minister to people who have never heard the gospel. But when it comes to the person who's living in the United States, a young person like you and me who has a question about faith, and they go to the only place that they know how to get answers because this is what they do. They go to the computer, they go to their phone, and they type in a question into the Google search bar into YouTube. Who is there to answer their questions? Who is there to minister to them and to help them find purpose in Jesus Christ? This is why we need digital missionaries. Because every single day, thousands are questioning their core convictions. And they're going back on the things that they believed and were raised on. But the question I want to ask us is, where are we in this conversation? God needs digital missionaries because this is how people are engaging with faith today. Uh, I only have a few more minutes. I want to share with you guys the story of, this is Michael. A number of years ago, I met Michael when I was working in Philadelphia as a teacher at, at a small evangelism college. Michael had the privilege of discipling and mentoring, uh, and I actually even got to, to um, what's called, uh, to baptize him in a number of months into this journey. And one of the things I love about Michael's story is Michael was raised in a nominally Catholic home. He, he basically had no Christian background. He maybe did Easter's, maybe Christmas, and that's about it. But one day he's going online and he's just looking on YouTube and he found a YouTuber across the country who was making videos about his faith. This person wasn't famous. This person wasn't wealthy or influential. It was just someone online sharing their experience with God. And for whatever reason, Michael found that compelling and decided to give it a shot. Here I was talking to someone that I cared about, that I knew, that had a, a strong relationship with Jesus because they had met someone online willing to serve God in that capacity. I sat and thought my, to myself, how hard did I work as a coal porter to knock on a hundred doors? Like literal blood, sweat, and tears, like actually carrying that 45-pound canvassing bag of books all around. Now my, my back is all messed up. I have like calluses on my toes, and so it's like my knuckles look terrible. Like I'm working hard. Why? Because I believe in the message, and the message can change people's lives, right? Why do we do evangelistic crusades? Because we know that the message is powerful and changes people's lives. Why do we send missionaries to Cambodia or Vietnam or Peru or wherever else that we're sending? It's because the message makes a difference. Does it make a difference if the message is heard from a person, read on a tract, or watch on a screen? No, the message is the same. The message is the message, and that's what matters. So I thought to myself, if Michael's life could be changed through something like social media ministry, why isn't this happening more often? I looked online and I searched for anyone making content within our, within our denomination doing that, and I was astonished. There is no one in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in North America doing this today. This is a field that has been, not even, I would like to say it's a field that's been abandoned, but that, that assumes that people were there first and then left. This is an untouched mission field. And so what I decided to do, I decided to pick up a camera and give it a shot. I'm a kind of guy with zero experience in this. I, I think I've, maybe not zero, literally, I, I made one movie in high school on Windows Movie Maker. So I had a little bit of experience. 
but I've never taken a, a graphic designs class. I've never taken a video course. I've never learned how to edit a video, any of those kinds of things. You know how I learned how to do all those things, by the way? I went to YouTube. That's pretty cool, huh? Look at that. Picked up a camera, decided to give it a shot, and decided to make videos just in the way that I could figure them out. I, uh, we were living in Philadelphia at that point, a tiny little rat-infested apartment. This is my living room. This is me trying to make one of my very first videos. I set out with a goal in my mind that, you know what, at the end of one year, I said, God, I will try this for 12 months. I don't know if this is for me. I definitely know that I'm not skilled in this area, but I want to try it. I want to just be part of the solution rather than complain about the problem. So I said, all right, I'll try it. And I thought to myself, what would be the goal? Because I'm I'm, you know, I have the Cole Porter background. I always need to have a goal every single day. So I said, I'll set a goal for one year. At the end of one year, what should that goal be? And I thought, you know what? If I were to go and be a church planter, what would my goal be then? To start with zero, what would, at the end of 12 months, would I judge as a success? Or if I was a missionary going across the ocean, starting with nothing in a brand new community, and now I'm starting to bring out contacts and have this, what would that look like? So I set a goal. I thought this goal was huge. I said, I'll set a goal of 250 people. Because I know how hard it is to win a soul. And then as I'm sitting down, I'm literally writing this down in my New Year's resolutions. God whispers in the back of my mind, Justin, you need a faith goal. Something that, 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 that only I can do. That will stretch what you believe is possible. So I said, all right, double it, 500. I thought I was dreaming big. At the end of one year, I had an audience of 10,000 people. And it blew my mind. Like, how is this possible? Because I knew as a Bible worker, if I knock on someone's door and I find a Bible study contact and I show up to their house and they brought 11 of their friends, so I'm giving a Bible study to 12 people, I'm feeling like I'm the best Bible worker in the world. Like, if I can give 20 Bible studies in a week, I'm like, my mind is being blown because this is amazing stuff. God is transforming people's lives and using me in the process. And I realized that that's exactly what was taking place online. I started this channel two and a half years ago with zero experience. I've been doing it since. I've made over 350 videos in the time that I've started it. And over that time, I've grown an audience over 60,000 people. My church is a church without walls. My church is a church that meets sometimes on Tuesdays, sometimes on Thursdays. Actually, my church meets whenever you want it to. It's kind of fun to see the comments. I asked my audience one time, where, where were they watching from? And I get people saying, I'm in Australia, I'm in Korea, I'm in uh, Africa, I'm in, I'm in Pennsylvania, I'm where, and then someone responded, I'm on my toilet right now. <laughs> like, wherever you are at, like, my church can, can, can meet you where you're at. And what's crazy about this is that over two million views in under two and a half years, that's something I could never do. I could never preach to two million people in my entire life. And God is doing that through social media. And what I love about this most is that the statistics show that 77% of my audience is under the age of 34. The very demographic that's leaving, the very demographic that is disenfranchised with church, doesn't want anything to do with it, they're the ones looking for answers online and finding answers and hope in Jesus. And so I want to really challenge you guys to do this. I want to really challenge you guys to, 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 to think about this differently. You all run social media accounts. You all are, are people that, that, that spend 18 hours a day, allegedly, on social media. But what are you doing with that influence? How are you using that for the gospel? I believe that this is the most potent way for us to be able to reach young people in the Western world today. There are people who will literally never show up at your church, but they'll listen to a video that you create 
or, write, or read the blog that you write or, or look at your Instagram posts. And I think that is an amazing opportunity to share the truth that we have in Jesus Christ. My time's up. Can I share like one or two stories? Is that all right? Okay, cool. A couple of the testimonies. I want to share one or two testimonies of, of who are the kinds of people on the other side of, of the screen that I don't even get to see ever. I, I, got a, I got an email or a question. I get questions a lot. I got an email this one time. Someone saying, Justin, I need advice. You know, I'm the only Christian in my family. I have no churches in the, air, in the nearby area. What should I do? How can I grow my relationship with God? And my response was from my perspective. You know, I live in Portland, Oregon. I, you know, I have the internet available and transportation. So I said, you know, come on, let's be real. I give like the tough love approach. I said, all you got to do is just Google a church in your area, call them up and tell them, hey, I would love to visit your church. And I guarantee you a pastor or elder, someone would be willing to pick you up from church. And I kind of like wipe my hands, feeling really good about myself, patting my back. Like, yeah, I told them how it was. They're just making excuses. This, this young woman came in and wrote back saying, oh, I'm so sorry, Justin. I didn't explain myself very well. You can see much more gracious than me. It says, I live in a Muslim country. There are no churches where I live. Yeah, and that was my response. I'm like, floored. I'm like, what do you do when you realize that you are the church to this young lady? Social media has the ability to do things that we could never do in real life. And, and I started to think about this more. This is my running theory, and I'd like to know what you guys think about this. The church was built on the back of social media influencers. Not just the Adventist church, but the church, capital C, since the beginning of the church was built on the back of social media influencers. Here's what I mean. There's this stigma that says that only person-to-person ministry is valuable. Only person-to-person ministry uh, uh, brings fruit. But I want you to think about John on the island of Patmos who's stranded there, couldn't reach out to his church community, couldn't attend the local synagogue and preach on Sabbath, couldn't even knock on their door and give them a Bible study. So what did he do? He wrote a blog. And he sent that blog post to the church in Ephesus, in Philadelphia, in Laodicea. And that blog post changed the world as impacted billions of people throughout the course of Earth's history. At the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, how did that grow? Off the back of social media influencers. What was the social media at that time? The printed book. And even at the beginning of Adventism, Culpers played a huge role, but then even at the beginning of Adventism's story, we have uh, amazing heroes of people going into radio ministry and television ministry. But why is it then, when social media shows up, we want to run away? No, I don't think that's our calling. I don't think that's what God wants us to do. God's calling us not to run away from the darkness, but to run towards the darkness with a candle in our hand and your cell phone in the other one. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.